to Cinebabble episode eight. I am your host, Ken Brown, and this is my co-host, Clint Jones. Clint, tell everybody hi. Hi, everyone. How are you doing this week, Clint? How are you feeling? I'm feeling okay. Are you? I'm just kidding. I don't care because this week's episode (laughs) is so packed to the brim, full of your favorite thing, content, uh, that uh, I'm figuring we just got to jump right into this. You good with that? Well, I was feeling kind of special that you cared about. Nope. Not at all. Then you really brought me back down. built you up. To drag you right back down. We were going to try to just bring each other up. We well, talked about this before. We've talked about it before, but I like to keep you realistic. <laughs> and I've been noticing that head of yours inflating over there episode after episode. Yeah, that what I'm trying to say. <laughs> episode after episode, the arrogance has just started to kind of waft around the, the studio. Yeah. My wife, Jenny, calls my uh, being realistic just negativity. Oh, really? So, yeah. So. Oh, yeah. My wife does the same thing. It's definitely not negativity. No, it's just being real. It really is. Are you ready to be real with me, Clint? <laughs> okay, I'll try. All right. Clint, what you watching about? Ken. I have two things I'll quickly discuss that I've been watching about. Just two things? Yeah. Oh, you're slacking. I know. Well, it wasn't Thanksgiving break this That's week. True. So That's true. All right. Didn't have all the time in the world. <laughs> um, I watched, there's a new series on Netflix that came out uh, probably around Thanksgiving okay. um, called The Confession Killer. Ah, yes. And about Henry Lee Lucas, um, mm-hmm. a serial killer, and it was operating kind of in the 60s through the 80s. And it was really... Good. I was going to try not to say really, but I did it. <laughs> Already. Did say really good. Got, I got it out of the way early That's on. That's all right. Yeah. That it's was your one good. use of the word really. It's very good. I was surprised by it. Um, I don't know. Do you Are you into like uh, serial killer, like true crime stuff at all? I am. Now, yeah. is it is it a, a documentary series yes. or is it a docudrama? It's a documentary series. Okay. And uh, compared to um, Making a Murder, I think this was way more successful. Okay. Doesn't rely on that. Um, did he really do it? Or are they going to get him off? All so that, the it's mystery. sort of just telling the tale. It's telling thing. the tale. And it's it, there's so much fact that's mm-hmm. just recorded that's um, very well known that it's just nice to okay. hear the story. And it's more about the, um, the police who were – he was convicted of killing um, his girlfriend mm-hmm. and he was captured. And then he, he said he killed – over a hundred people. Oh wow! So, okay, the cops are trying to like link him to all these things, and it's the main like all these crimes, and it's mainly about like are the cops just using them him to clear their their caseload? Uh, yeah, their oh, caseload. Really... So it's okay. like it's about like the invest the um, reporter like going through and mm-hmm. just like the actual facts, and it's really interesting, and I highly recommend it. Now, were you the one that recommended the documentary series to me that was about, uh, it started with a mysterious, what appeared to be a a suicide where where the guy had the collar around his neck and uh it exploded. What was that one called? Do you remember? I can't remember off the top of my head. Excellent, whatever that was. Yeah, that one was great, too. And and space, like the same kind of idea where they have just so much information that they're not trying to just speculate and like make their own storyline. I mean, there could be some of that, like still you can't, you never really know. But I I just thought this was really interesting and the the angle that they were looking at the the case was more- what was it called? um, The Confession Killer. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I thought it was great. So I also, well, we started watching the new season of um, The Marvelous Miss Maisel on Amazon. 
and we were, we're only one episode in, so um, don't what have a lot. What season is that? The up third to? season. Okay. So I don't have a lot to say about it, but it's just the show makes me very happy. It was so funny because right after we had just talked about this mm-hmm. last week or the week before, yeah. and you said how much you enjoyed it. And almost the next day, my friend Kelly was just like, oh, don't watch the show. I hate that show. <laughs> and I hadn't even mentioned that you really enjoyed it. Yeah. But it was within 24 hours. I had, oh, it's great. You should definitely watch it. Yeah. And then Kelly was just, no, you definitely, uh, my wife and I won't watch it. It's terrible. Like, okay. <laughs> I'd like to know his reasoning I why. Know. I just, it's so well written. Like all the actors are just so good. Tony Shalhoub as her father it's like one of the most joyous like roles I've ever seen. And it makes me like and when he's on screen, it makes me so happy. And it's just it's kind of sugary, sweet, like representation of the 50s. And um, it just like I said, makes me happy. I highly recommend it. It's a show I wouldn't think I would like. And then it just totally grabbed me within like halfway through the first episode okay yeah well i need to being you know kind of the definitive authority i will watch it here eventually and then i'll tell you whether you were right or <laughs> i'm wrong. right or kelly is right yeah <laughs> yeah perfect yeah. it'll be great I'm probably wrong no i maybe maybe <laughs> i'll stick to it i'm gonna right. say i'm right well, you enjoy what you enjoy yeah you, know. you won't tell me otherwise no i will not yeah well that's all i have is okay. quick uh what you're watching about. So, Ken, I'm going to move on to you. What you watching about? I am done watching about Castle Rock. Uh, <laughs> I, I am. This show is dead to yeah. me. Finally had its season finale, and I, I think it did enough damage that I won't be back for season three. Maybe I will if, man, all, honestly, all it would take is a Dark Tower hook. Yeah, it'll get you back. Uh, it just, but I would probably be even angrier, but I would still hate watch it. Mm-hmm. <sighs> anyway, <laughs> dead to me. Uh, <laughs> I also started on Netflix this series called The Movies That Made Us. Oh, from yeah. From the producers who did The Toys uh, That Made Us. Yeah. Did you watch the um, third season of that? Yes. Toys? Yeah. That I was really too. good, too. Yeah. Uh, enjoyed that. I watched that a couple of weeks back. I don't know why I didn't talk about it, but yeah, yeah. I finished that up. That's always good fun. Mm-hmm. This one covers Die Hard, Home Alone, Ghostbusters, and Dirty Dancing. Mm-hmm. And so far, I've watched uh, Die Hard and Ghostbusters. And um, it's not a hugely deep dive into these yeah. movies. Uh, but it hits on just enough and has enough uh, solid interviews. Uh, it's just a good time reminiscing about, oh, yeah, uh, this movie was something very different back when it first came out as right. opposed to when you go back and watch it now. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I, I launched into that after our, our talk last episode about Ghostbusters uh-huh. when you revealed that you don't like good movies. And so <laughs> I, I was like, like Ghostbusters. Oh, I mean, okay. It's just not one of those staples in my okay. life that I grew up with. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We all believe you. <laughs> You don't have to. No, you know, you just, you like movies that make you feel popular. I get it, Clint. (laughs) What? (laughs) Border. Come on. Come on. We all know. That obviously did not make me feel popular. (laughs) Uh, But my big watch this week was Killing Eve season one, which you turned me on to. I told you. I had avoided for quite a while. It had uh, a lot of buzz around it. And I just thought it was one of those shows that people love, but I would watch and just kind of shrug my shoulders at it is such great fun. Yeah. I was not anticipating the the biting wit yeah. and the humor and the just sudden turnaround into, nope, this guy's dead. Nope, this person's yeah. gone. You thought um, he was a main character? Nope. Yeah. Yeah. And I really appreciated, uh, especially when they take quite a bit of screen time to attach you to somebody yeah. just to kill them. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's by no means a, a you know, discriminate, uh, brutal show where it's just 
killing characters no, no, left no, no. and it's right. It's not Game of Thrones no, or anything. No, but uh, man, it just I I love the characters. The music even the is supporting so good. Characters. The music is great. Um, uh, the storylines are fun. And uh, usually you would think that something revolving around a hired assassin going from target to target while they're being tracked, you would just think it would be so routine and by the numbers. Oh, and yeah. Man, Not they in find way. Yeah. interesting ways to, to twist that around. By yeah. the end of the season, uh, which I won't say what happens, but that entire last episode, I'm sitting there like, what? Wait, yeah. oh, what? Yeah. So, oh, now we're, oh, no, we're not. We're, oh, what? <laughs> that was the entire last episode yeah. for me. And it was, it was so much fun. And it wasn't in a, a twist kind no, of way. No, it wasn't no. twist driven. It was all character based. It was and, all character yeah. based and uh, watching things happen and then characters change their mind. Mm-hmm. That stuck out to me because you never see shows where characters change their mind. Right. They make a decision yeah. and then now that's their character arc. And yeah. that's not how people work. Yeah, especially because like they're taking in information about learning about other people right. and how that right. like fits into their role and yeah. And this one, Eve would make some pretty strong decisions and mid-decision just panic or become afraid or suddenly switch and do something else, one involving a knife mm-hmm. that I was just <laughs> What's happening right now? She was fantastic. She's great. That's She's um Cho, right? Sandra O. Sandra O. Sandra yeah, O. Not Cho. She's great. And then the actress who plays Villanelle yeah. is oh my goodness. When uh the scene where she has to be taken into the doctor because they're checking her out to see if she's okay. And uh-huh. she's wearing this <laughs> ridiculous pink, pink, like, pink dress. Yeah. And the more <laughs> The more she displays that she's a sociopath or a psychopath, the more that the psychiatrist, her handler, has hired. It's just mm-hmm. like, oh, she's fine. She's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I love that inversion and just things like that. Yeah, um, just a great, great show. Yeah, it's um, so perfectly paced in yeah. like eight episodes, and it's just. Uh, they British shows always do that so well. Season two is already out on Blu-ray and DVD. Yeah, and then, I started it. Uh, Hulu is starting to stream it December 18th, I think. Mm. So I'm very much looking forward to the second season. Yeah. You have gotten to take advantage because you Black Friday a little bit. Yeah. How was how many episodes have you gotten? Just into the one, season? but it was it was great. <sighs> yeah. Okay. And uh, it's one that I'm I'm watching with Jenny, okay. and she really likes it, but it stresses her out. So she's like, <laughs> I can only do one. At, she's okay. like, I can only do one at a time. Well, so. sometime in January when we're when we're back yeah. on, we should definitely once you're done season two and I'm done season two. Yeah. Uh, we should just full review that one. Yeah. And and hit that because oh my goodness, I'm a complete <laughs> addict on this show. Awesome. I'm glad you like it. Yeah. 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 All right. Uh, the other thing I spent my time with, unfortunately, uh, was <laughs> yet again The Mandalorian. Yeah. I don't have anything else I watched about. So if you're ready for God help us, uh, at some point, it will be the last Mandalorian minute. <laughs> but are you ready for a Mandalorian yeah. minute? Mandalorian minute. This week, yeah. the timer's going to work. <laughs> I'm ready. Are we going to just get to a point where we finish the series or just give up on it? Let's hear your Mandalorian. Like... What we'll do. We'll do a Mandalorian minute. Yeah. You do your Mandalorian minute. I'll do mine. And then we will have a Cinebabble minute, a heart to heart, where we discuss <laughs> if we are just wasting uh, roughly 37 minutes of our lives every week with yeah. this thing. So mm-hmm. Mandalorian minute, go for it. Um, yeah, like you said, it was, it takes place on Tatooine, right? 
Yes. Yeah. Um, which I liked the return to that, but it also had a little too much of like the um, prequel episode, like touches yeah. in there that it kind of threw me off. And I was just like, oh, they're going to bring that back into this. Well, I don't care about these little robots. Um, and the whole point of it, it's just like, I feel like every episode doesn't like push the story forward in any way. And this is another one of those where he's just off doing a bounty. Doesn't really matter. And just baby Yoda's hanging out with the um, person who's just taking care of the ship. Uh, way too much of her. Sorry. Yeah, even though I like her. Yeah. I, uh, oh, I like uh, her, the actress. Yeah. It's a terrible character. I know. Um, but I I can't even fill a minute. I just don't care. <laughs> and, and the clock knows it. That I don't care. <laughs> this thing still doesn't work. <laughs> it was supposed to work this week. I, it knew when I was done. So yeah. Actually, I was just cheating. I had it ticking, but I was watching my phone like 60 seconds. Come on. Now I was going to ring it on purpose. That wasn't happening. Yeah, and I hated the um, other bounty guy. What's his name? The bounty hunter. He oh, was like the, the in training. Young Han Solo yeah. ripoff. Yeah. Yeah. I so this thing lost me as soon as there's a ship following him and, and, and just shooting at him. And I knew as soon as there was a ship shooting at him, his ship is gonna get damaged uh-huh. yet again. And he's gonna have to land and go on some stupid side adventure just to fill up thirty seven minutes. Uh, and sure enough, that's what happened. Uh, way too much time spent in the hangar. Way too much time yet again on the, you can't even call them adventures of no. Baby Yoda, which has taken the internet by storm, and I don't understand. I don't either. I get it. He's a cute face. Yeah. All right. That's it. Yeah. Uh, he's he's a glorified action accessory. Right. Um, who has no character whatsoever. None. Uh, and, and you're dealing with this this creature that you know, is, is 50 years old, even though it's a child. Yeah. Play with that. Give right, me, right. Give me something there. Um, and then just the, the trek through uh, the desert. Um, I really loved that that very first shot where it descends on Tatooine. It's the exact shot from episode four. Yeah. That's the kind of Easter egg throwback I'm down for, a shot recreation uh, that's just kind of subtle. But then we get to Moss Eisley, and it's the pan across from the bar, and it's yeah, Han yeah. Solo in the booth, but it's not Han Solo, yeah. but he's sitting in the same. And then it yeah. just it gets so cutesy, mm-hmm. and just get on with it. And, and yet nothing, again, nothing, the episode ends exactly where it begins. Yeah. Exactly. And there's where it nothing begins. like progressing the yeah. character arc in any way. Like you don't still don't really know anything about him. Yeah. So it's like I don't, I just don't care about mm-hmm. him in any way. I just, I cannot tell you every week, different people come up to me and they know I love Star Wars. They're like, you've seen The Mandalorian, right? <laughs> yeah. And I don't want to stand there and have a full conversation explain why I hate this show. Yeah. So I'm just like, I sure have. <laughs> wow, that's something, isn't it? It's a thing. It's, it's, that's a show. <laughs> Those um, images are moving along. And they always say the same thing. Just like, oh, that baby Yoda. Like, it's a puppet. You're... <laughs> You're right. Um, so a little bit of a heart to heart here, Clint. Yeah. Are we going to keep watching this thing? Yeah. But do we want to talk about it still? Or do we want to do like I just think, officially Skywalker second? I think if we have to suffer, <laughs> I think the millions of people who love the show and the millions of people who listen to our podcast, they too 
There is. And they too <laughs> should have to suffer with our suffering. Yeah. We've made it this far. How many? There's what? Two episodes left? Three? It's I, I cannot wrap my head around the fact. I already couldn't wrap my head around the fact that these episodes are only 35 minutes piece. Yeah. And now to learn that there's only eight episodes mm-hmm. and nothing is happening. Yeah. I I just I don't understand. It feels other like a, than hey kids, come subscribe to Disney Plus. Right. It feels like a cash in, like, oh, yeah. we got Star Wars or con like new Star Wars content, come check us out. Yeah. And and I, I do in their defense, I get what they're going for. They're going for the the classic Western trope yeah. of here's a journey film and he's just running into different characters yeah. across the landscape. It's not coming across that way. If he was stuck on one planet, and if, if he was on Tatooine, for instance, and he's going from one side of this desert world to another, and one episode is Jawas, then the next episode is Tusken Raiders, then the next episode is Bounty Hunters, then the then you could maybe hit that feel um, and have a little bit more flow to it. Mm-hmm. But it just feels so disjointed and, and disconnected. Yeah, I totally agree. It's not doing it for me at no. all. Um, and I, yeah. I it just, kind of, like, ugh. if it was along the lines of, like, Prospect... Yeah. Where that's kind of the same idea, nope. but way more successful yeah. in every way, I yeah. think. Yeah. Um, and ironically, same actor. Yeah. Uh, very that, different role. I didn't even connect that uh, in my yeah. head. Uh, in Prospect, he plays the, yeah. the sort of villain. Right. Uh, obviously, in Mandalorian, he's the hero. But Something I read this week, did you know that he's not in that costume very much? This does not surprise me at I, all. Yeah, I was like, that totally makes sense. The whole time that that he has had the helmet on, I'm sitting there thinking, why did they pay this in-demand actor? And he's not huge, but he's for this kind of project, he's a big catch. Yeah. Why are they paying this guy and not showing his face? And now it totally makes sense. Yeah. He's he's for the most part doing voiceover work. Uh-huh. And of course, that that tracks. It makes sense. Yeah, I had started reading that and I was thought they were like, oh yeah, there's a couple scenes where he's not. But then it was like, yeah, there's this whole episode, he's not even there. Yeah. And I was like, oh, his whole episodes. Wow. Which, you know, good job keeping stuntmen in work. But, yeah. Ugh, right. I don't know. So yeah, I we should keep talking about it if we're gonna keep watching it. I just man. Yeah, we made it this far. I usually don't want to walk away from a show, and I never dreamed I would want to walk away from a Star Wars show, but here we are. Mm, Yeah. But what else we watched this week? Uh, There were quite a few trailers that dropped. There, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) There were. You're you're right there. (laughs) Kenny, you are correct. Quite a few trailers that dropped. Now, uh, we chat a little bit beforehand just to make sure that we had watched all of these uh, but I just will kind of quick fire go through, talk about a couple of these. I'm going to start with your absolute favorite genre. Okay. On the planet. Oh. This is your flavor. Mm. Uh, and that is uh, the comic book film. <laughs> I don't dislike the comic book. You've made, you're trying to make me sound like a villain here. Everyone loves comic book films. Clint is currently snapping his fingers and looking at me as if I will disappear. Evil. Awful. I'm don't, not our president. Don't. Jeez. <laughs> Way to get political, Clint. Sorry. That's okay. Anyway, uh, <laughs> first trailer out of the gate was the Black Widow trailer. Yeah. This is a prequel uh, that, that takes place shortly after Winter Soldier, uh, shortly after Civil War, excuse me, and sometime before Infinity War and Endgame. What would you think of the Black Widow trailer? It looks fun. 
Yeah, I um, it doesn't really give too much into mm. exactly what it, the story is going to be, mm. but I I really enjoy this Scarlett Johansson's performance as the Black Widow. So I'm, yeah, I like I like her, and yeah. man, there's something about when David Harbor oh yeah that pops was, up as Red Guardian yeah. in that trailer instantly. <laughs> that's what makes me want yeah. to run to see this movie because it just looks like if nothing else, if everyone else is super serious, that guy is having a blast. Yeah. Um, I hope he has more fun in this than Hellboy. It, yeah, seriously. Yeah. And it sounds like it. He's already been telling stories of how uh, he, in the in the course of the movie, he'll be talking about Captain America at some point and how uh, they used to know each other, something like that. <laughs> and that's a, a big thing for him. So I, I can't wait to see what they do with that. And yeah. I don't even know how the timelines line up or any of that. Right. I don't care. It just sounds like a blast. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, all right. Yeah, I'm into it. Uh, I'm excited to see what they do with it. Yeah. Then the second comic book trailer that dropped this week is Wonder Woman 1984. Mm. Now, I saw this and I had a, a stupid smile across my face because for once it felt like a DC Comics movie was having some fun. Yeah. Uh, I like the 80s kitsch. I like that they're not shying away from here's some weird evil genius with a space rock and promises <laughs> of this and that. Uh, they didn't show Kristen Wiig as Cheetah yet. Yeah. Uh, they were doing more of a Selena Kyle from like Batman Returns with her, but mm. you know, whatever. Kristen Wiig's great. Uh, but it just, it, it looked like it was fun, uh, colorful, uh, which DC films definitely have not been. So this is one, the, the first Wonder Woman movie didn't, uh, didn't do a whole lot for me, but this one looks like something that'll kind of bring me in. What did you think? Uh, kind of the same deal. I liked like the eighties vibe to it. Um, mm. The first one was not my cup of tea mm. exactly. Like there was, I even though as much as I love like stuff set in the in the World War One, I, I there was just a lot of issues with it that I couldn't get over. I don't know. And that was every time I think back to it, and even when I would be talking about it, I would get confused. Like oh, was it one World War One? Was it World War Two? It, it didn't ground itself in the era. It yeah. wasn't a World War One yeah. comic book movie. Right. That just happened to be in there. Right. This feels much more like a, oh, it's 1984. Yeah. Uh, and it seems like it has a, a better grasp of, of time and place. I I'm, I was having a hard time remembering what happens to Chris, is it Pine? He Captain America's it and flies a plane and it blows up and he sacrifices himself to something or other. How is he back? So did a little bit of digging on that one. Okay. Uh, the the guy that the Mandalorian is playing. Uh, <laughs> it's third third time we're going to talk about Pedro Pascal. Yeah. Uh, but he whatever that space rock is in his comic storyline or one of one of his well known comic storylines, he is able to grant people wishes. Okay. Or what they most desire. Yeah. Uh, that's how he lures people in. Uh, it seems once I knew that and I watched back through the trailer, it seems that uh, that's how uh, Cheetah's going to get her powers, probably through him. That's how she's going to bring back Steve, probably through him. It's probably going to be bittersweet. It's probably one of those. This has a timestamp on it. If right. you beat the bad guy, sorry, your wish is going to go away. Uh -huh. um, but I would imagine that's that's where they get that. Okay. Not 100 percent, though. Yeah. Maybe it's his great great grandson, and it's super gross. <laughs> she, I don't know. I hope that's what happens. <laughs> I just hope it's some. It just goes real dark and yeah. indie. All right. Yeah. Third trailer up is the No Time to Die trailer. New James Bond. 
What were your impressions on this one? I thought it looked great. Yeah. 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 I've been totally into all of the um, Daniel Craig bonds. So just to see it kind of come to a conclusion, I'm totally in for it. And I really like um, Fukunaga. What's, mm-hmm. um, what's his first name? Uh, Carrie. Carrie Fukunaga. Mm-hmm. Like everything he's done. So I'm excited to see what he does with it. And yeah. It, yeah. it looks like it has a, a very sharp style to it. Yeah. Um, it looks very confident, and, and I'm excited for what they do there. Um, I've, I've also been a, a fan of the Daniel Craig Bonds. I really didn't like James Bond that much before that. Uh, I loved GoldenEye, just like every other kid who had a Nintendo 64, uh, just because I guess it had a video game with it. And it's it's still fun. It still holds up. Yeah. But other than that one, I've, I've never been a big Bond fan. I like catching the old ones once in a while mm-hmm. and just kind of sitting in that like 60s kitschy action film yeah. kind of thing. I don't, I, I don't know. It's just it's never – I guess I always thought of that as my dad's films. Oh, okay. My, just never, never quite interested me. Mm. Uh, I can see why they were fun. Um, but I ended up, uh, I would watch things like Austin Powers and enjoy that, even though I knew I wasn't getting a lot of references because right. I hadn't seen some of the older films. And I, most of them, I still haven't gone back and watched. Maybe they're great. Yeah. But all they're right. fun. Yeah. So is that like an opening weekend kind of flick for you? Yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah. Even the lesser ones of the Daniel Craig, like uh, Quantum of Solace, mm-hmm. I still found really fun. So I'm into it. Fourth trailer this week was the Ghostbusters Afterlife trailer, uh-huh. uh, which we we talked a little bit about last week once they revealed the title. But we, uh, at least, I didn't expect a trailer to drop that quickly. What you What'd you think when you watched this one? Wasn't into it. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like it's kind of cashing in on that Stranger Things kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about remaking Ghostbusters or some other property like that where it's so attached to the main original cast. Like, I feel like what made Ghostbusters fun and great was that original cast. Yeah. And I don't know if it's even possible to work again. And and they have they have the three surviving back. Yeah. They have Dan Aykroyd and Bill Murray and uh, Ernie But how Hudson. much are they actually going to be in it? I don't know because they weren't in a shot no. of this trailer. And I don't know how they get them to this Midwest farmhouse yeah. either. I I feel like it's just going to be like a passing of the torch kind yeah. of thing where they show up for a little bit and like, oh, now you are the yeah. Ghostbusters. Like, now you are now the Ghostbusters. you are the Ghostbuster. <laughs> yeah. Boo. And it was, if you had this exact same trailer as far as setup and story, but it was in New York City mm-hmm. and they can feasibly track down the original Ghostbusters working at their new jobs or the Ghostbusters come into things because now there's this resurgence of ghosts and everything like that. It it would seem to me it would have much more the feel of the original. It would feel like more of a continuation. It would make a little more sense. The Midwest thing just really... Yeah, that threw me off. You know, that I like that idea where it could be people... Like kids who are actually living in New York, like yeah. a young black kid who's almost like, um, what was that? The Flash? Yeah. Or not The Flash. What was that called? Shazam. Mm-hmm. Where he's kind of, I don't know, living in a, a downtrod area of New York and like comes across this and like 
kind of helps his life or I don't know, something like that where it's just. They converted the old firehouse into apartment buildings. Yeah, but yeah. he finds like a basement that they didn't know about. Right. Something. something like that could be fun. Yeah. But yeah, the Midwest thing is a little strange. Yeah. Um, and I, I get what they're going with generationally there. The the connection to, I guess these are Egon's grandkids and mm. Spengler's gone. But um, I don't know. It, it felt thin and, and kind of forced to me. Yeah. So I, I, I'm curious. I want to see a little bit more if a lot of that Midwest stuff is, is just a portion of the movie. Right. Uh, I could see it be more effective, but uh, we'll have to see. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if I'm going to opening week in that one, but. Yeah, it's probably one where I'm looking for the re- reviews to show me like what the consensus is on it. But now the final trailer. Uh, so it's like Ghostbusters, Black Widow, <laughs> Wonder Woman, No Time to Die. These very franchise driven yeah, yeah. films. Uh, the other trailer that is definitely worth checking out is this uh, this little uh, semi indie flick called Promising Promising Young Woman. Uh-huh. Um, and from the looks of it, it it's uh, it's a it's kind it's of a revenge thriller. Yeah. Uh, something has happened in this woman's past that's driven her to essentially become this vigilante of sorts. She plays drunk. Carrie she, Mulligan. Yes, Carrie yeah. Mulligan. She finds guys at bars who want to take advantage of her. And then I, I didn't quite get if she kills them or just punishes them, blackmails them, whatever it is. Right. Uh, she's she's basically finding these people that appear to be nice guys, but reveal themselves to not be nice guys yeah. in that situation. Um, really interesting. Uh, yeah. I, I like the tone of it. Uh, mm-hmm. it, looked, it looked like it could really uh, not just have something to say, but... Um, do it in a in a a new and, and kind of unique way. Yeah. And tying back to what we were talking about with Killing Eve, it's the showrunner of that who wrote and directed it. Right. So if it's got that kind of sharp-witted tone to it, I'm yep. totally all in. And it, yeah. the trailer kind it, of seemed like it did. The trailer was full of that kind yeah. of stuff. It was not... When you said, have you seen the trailer for Promising Young Woman? It uh, like, okay. Yeah. Uh, no. And then I went and watched it, and that is not the film that I thought would match that title. Right. I, I mean, I didn't know anything about it till today. I saw the trailer pop up, and I was like, oh, Carrie Mulligan, I like her. And then I read that um, the showrunner from Killing Eve was doing it. I was like, oh, that seems interesting. So I threw it on. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it was really good. One so to look out for. If you haven't watched it, Ghostbusters, Black Widow, Wonder Woman, No Time to Die, and Promising Young Woman. Uh, all worth checking out. And... Uh, you know, some better than others, but uh, all movies that we're probably going to end up watching next year. Yeah, so. you're right. <laughs> <laughs> you're very matter of fact tonight. Yup, you, you are correct. It. You nailed it. Well done, Ken. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Here comes a transition. <laughs> are you ready for reviews, Clint? Yeah, let's do it, Ken. <laughs> <All right>. uh, <laughs> we watched actually four different movies for this week. Uh, like I said, packed episode so much so I can't care about Clint and his personal life. First up, <laughs> first up, he chose not to care. Yeah, first up is a little flick called Fast Caller. Uh, do you want to? Can you explain the plot in two sentences? Um, I can get the timer back up here if you need it. <laughs> it's a superhero flick. Set in kind of the Midwest, yeah. young black woman 
has mysterious powers and is being hunted by mysterious forces. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it had a little bit of a midnight special vibe. Yeah. Uh, what'd you think of Fast Color? And I, I'll tell you right now, I'm going to compare it a lot to Midnight Special. Or Chronicle go, or something. Or Chronicle yeah. or things like that. I was not blown away by this movie, yeah. really, at all. Um, there was elements of the relationship between her and her mom. Mm-hmm. Like I think that was the most compelling part of it. I didn't care much about her powers or being hunted by this government entity. I didn't feel like there was a lot of world building around no. that. It, it, uh, it felt... That was the part that felt the most comic booky, and for a movie where they were trying to get away from some of those tropes and ground it, yeah, those moments felt much more. It was actually, it just occurred to me, similar to Logan. You and right. I didn't enjoy Logan very yeah. much when it was just Wolverine, Professor X, and the the little girl. Yeah, really good road movie, but then every time they would bring in this agency that's hunting them, right? That's when it just suddenly like, oh, this is just X Men Wolverine Origins. Yeah. Um, and I, I got that kind of back and forth with this one. Too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I liked some of the things they were trying to say cause she was addicted to, mm-hmm. I don't know what kind of drugs, but they were kind of repressing this, um, power that she had because it was her like manifestation of this power, which mm-hmm. is kind of runs in her family. It was, it's really dangerous. And she kind of creates this earthquake tremor kind of thing that's very destructive and so she was trying to run from it and she got addicted to the pills which are i don't know what kind of drugs but um was kind of repressing this power and uh it was kind of ruining her life and i i kind of that was where the movie would engage me because it felt like oh teenagers their and, and children their identities and the things that make them unique or the things that would allow them to be different than other kids are medicated and they're suppressed. And so the individuality and some of these very uh, special things are just kind of being hindered by you name it. And and I felt like they were trying to touch on that. I don't know that it was that effective. I don't I don't think that they carried it through enough where that no uh, that flowed through the entire film yeah. or was really a central point. But it it that and some other things, it just felt like they had these ideas. Yeah. And they found some pretty good actors to to pull it off, but it it just never quite coalesced for me. It right. never all came together. Yeah, and I feel like they revealed things in strange ways. Like they may like that the girl is her daughter, and that what I can't remember the actor who plays um, the mm, sheriff, but about. oh, he's her father. Yeah, and it just like I feel like those moments should have been for other kind of reveals in some way. I don't know. And there again, those were the moments that felt comic book. Yeah. It pulled me out of the grounded since the film was trying to establish and just slapped on a trope. Yeah. Um, And I honestly, I'm, I'm getting pretty tired of the, Oh, he's your father. Oh, she's your mother. Oh, they're related. Right. uh, There's a, there's a time and place for that. That Mm -hmm. can work. Um, but <sighs> I like the idea and the that this family is uh, has this power that's mm-hmm. being passed down and how they're dealing with it and mm-hmm. like the idea that the mother it was had some problems in the past and it's related to this power and yeah. she how she was trying to control it and now her daughter has it and what she's doing with it and how she's trying to kind of um, shape her 
path with it and yeah. what she's doing. And I like that central story, but it, it just none of the pieces kind of fit together into this interesting in any interesting way to me the whole time i was watching it and this is probably my last thought on it really yeah it's it's not a bad film i'm probably making no, it no. sound like it's it's a terrible film it's not it's well done uh it just it didn't i you said it didn't blow you away and that's that's the perfect it didn't blow me away the whole time i kept thinking about other movies uh-huh midnight special far superior oh for sure far superior for sure. to this uh, and with a lot more to say, and much more grounded. Um, Chronicle definitely came to mind. Yeah, Looper came to mind mm, because yeah. of the kid uh, that that uh, you know basically dominates the the back half of that movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, those kind of things were really not just apparent to me, but made me want to go and watch yeah. those movies instead. Um, just because I I felt like they had more interesting turns of drama mm-hmm. that that they. Uh, that they took on and, and they challenged that traditional comic book genre in a different way, or, or at least a, a more substantial way than this did. Yeah. Especially this, with, go, go ahead. ahead. <laughs> <laughs> this Jake's just, by me cook. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> this just felt like a, a stab at doing a, a well-conceived kind of side story in the X-Men universe. Yeah. Especially like I was thinking with like midnight special where kind of the more typical, um, superhero hero tropes with his powers mm-hmm. were how they sprinkled them throughout the film felt mm-hmm. so much more natural and like it was going it was contributing to something that was going to happen down the yeah. line where in this it, it never really added up to anything um that's significant i didn't think yeah it just it 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 felt like a, a fairly contained little story and it yeah. wasn't it wasn't anything is, much bigger than that, which is fine. Yeah, which is fine, but uh, it it still just didn't grab me with yeah. what it was trying to say or do in, yeah. in that small story. Yeah, so good, well done, but yeah. uh, just not going to blow you away. Or it didn't blow me away. It might, yeah, it didn't blow I know me a lot away. of people really enjoyed it. They, it it yeah. has landed itself on quite a few kind of best of lists of the year. Yeah. Um, which, you know, I can see depending on what you look for in a, in a movie like this, I could see some of those things resonating a lot more for someone than they did for me. Yeah. Um, I, I listened to one podcaster um, and he's African-American and this movie was much, much more important yeah. to him from a, a cultural standing and, and what it has to say about uh, the black experience in America. He really saw a lot of that in it. I'm sure that's there. Uh, it really resonated with him. It just, I, I liked all those same. elements. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. I, I totally see that. Yeah. But it's just where it ends up at the end. Yeah, well, and that's, for him, it, it really, that was the statement of the whole movie. And I felt like that was a statement yeah. Yeah. in the movie, but but not the, the full kind of drive of it. Right. So, but, you know, it was good. Uh, next up is a flick called Her Smell. And this is by writer-director Alex Ross Perry. And it stars Elizabeth 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 Moss as a, a girl named Becky something, uh-huh. and she is the lead singer of a punk band in what year? It never slaps. I a think year it's the nineties, but is it nineties? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, very successful band mm-hmm. uh, called Something She. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's this trio of girls. Uh, they started out fairly innocent. They got a record deal. They were very excited about it in their youth, but by the time we joined them in the movie proper, they are... It's like their downfall. 
they're, or they're, yes. Or they rise back up, yeah. kind of. And and uh, they're all addicted to one thing or another, uh, whether it's heavy drugs, spiritualism, all sorts of stuff rolled mm-hmm. in there. And uh, as the movie opens, um, they're just there's some pretty awful characters uh, that really have not a whole lot of redeeming qualities. Um, and then it, it kind of plows forward from there. Uh, Clint, what would you think of this movie? Well, I talked about this last episode, mm-hmm. but, I mean, I don't expect any of you out there to hear that. So, uh, <laughs> You'd be surprised. Those millions. <laughs> They're watching The Mandalorian. So, <laughs> I already said that this is one of my top movies of the yeah. year. I love this film. I thought everyone in it, and especially Elizabeth Moss, was stupendous. Mm-hmm. I thought that everyone was fantastic. Um I love the tension of it, just how it builds tension and how it well it um, does character development throughout this. It's a small story, and it um, but and they do like the character development is done in an interesting way. It's never like people sitting at a table giving a long dialogue about themselves. It's just kind of learning them through their actions and how mm-hmm. they're handling. Um, Elizabeth Moss character and how they're kind of walking on eggshells around her and how they're playing their role in this situation. And I, I just, I thought it was amazing. I first act of this movie, I hated this movie. <laughs> really did. Um, I was like, oh, Clint has fallen in love with a movie about awful people. And I hate movies about awful people. Second act, I neither love nor hate it because I was completely enveloped in the complete downfall and self-destruction that occurs, mm-hmm. particularly with uh, Becky. Third act, I was in love with this movie. Uh-huh. So much so that I was like, I have to go back and watch this again. And the next day, watched it again. This time, loved it from the first second to the last second. This is quality filmmaking. Oh, yeah. Of, of a really high caliber. And I'm not saying everybody would enjoy it. It, no. it is not an easy watch. No, not at uh, all. There's child endangerment. There's, oh, yeah. There's some rough stuff in yeah. there. Uh, it's it's not gratuitous in any way. No. But it's just, it's hard. And um, it's it's not something you come away from like, I enjoyed that. I feel better about humanity. I kind of did but at the yet, end. yet, mm-hmm, at the end, that's exactly what it does. And that's where, on its face... And, and for the first two acts, I, I was kind of struck by how similar to Vox Lux it was. Yeah. We did not enjoy Vox no. Lux. Um, and I think this had everything that that film we was missing that yes. we didn't like about yes. that. The structure is very, very similar. Yeah. Here's an artist. You're starting with her at the be- for the most part at the beginning of her story where she's, there's, she's already. It's like the second act half of yes. Vox Lux. But but the the artist is not a good person no. on the face of things. The the artist is uh, kind of a, d- a despicable person. She's bought into her own hype and yeah yeah, yeah just highly arrogant mm-hmm. and highly uh, wrapped up in self. Yeah. Uh, but what this does instead, where Vox Lux did not, because Vox Lux built and built and built to a giant pop show, mm-hmm. and that was it. And and. It was just like, well, then what were we even saying here? This has a very stark contrast in the third act where it turns away from that. And it's, okay, now here's after the fall. Mm -hmm. And how does somebody piece themselves back together? Not just how does somebody piece themselves back together, but now 
can they re-enter stardom? Uh, the thing that or just made them life great. in general because life, she cut herself off, and that's the beginning. Life in general, she's she's not even sure she can come out of her house. Yeah, now she moves out of her house. Can she go and perform again? That entire scene towards the end, yeah, where they become concerned for her. Yeah, like what is she going to do? You know that there's a room where there are people doing drugs. Yeah, and she's been sober for a year, but she looks in that room two times, and they're searching for her. My brain is scrambling. Mm. Is this suicide? Yeah. Did she do something? Are they going to find her with a rubber band? Is she going to go arm? kill herself is up on she, stage? Like something. I, my mind, just like the characters that are around her, is racing. Yeah. And that was one of the most realistic depictions of a, a family dealing with a drug addict mm-hmm. or friends dealing with a drug addict because, as well as she had done for that year, here are these people, they know what her vice is Mm -hmm. and they instantly go into that mode. Even when they see her standing in the hallway, is she on something? Is she on something? Not even the drugs being a vice, but the performing being a vice and that persona being a vice because she even says, I don't know how to be outside of the person who's on stage out of side of um, Becky something. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Was her name? Yeah. Becky something. Yeah. She doesn't know how to be just Becky. Mm -hmm. She has to be this person. So even outside of the drugs, she doesn't know how to be a normal person anymore. And that, and that's really apparent the the very last line of the movie, not to completely give away the ending, but I'm going (laughs) to, uh, the very last line of the movie is not her facing down drugs, but them saying, come out and sing another song. That yeah. was great. Go go perform again. And she says, nope, that's yep. all I've got. And that that was the most, uh, yeah, just I, I was her elated. daughter, I love elated. that so much. She's sitting there holding her seven-year-old and she beat it. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, by no means is her journey over or anything no, no. like that. But for the, for the statement of the film, mm-hmm. she actually accomplished something. Yeah. Um, so much so that when I went back and watched it the second time, it's there from the beginning. Oh, yeah. This is this is a redemption arc. Yeah. And wow. I I was completely taken yeah. by this movie. I wasn't sure if you were gonna like it because like I just how irredeemable she is at the beginning yeah. of it. But I was totally just like blown away from the beginning and I just love the frantic kinetic en- energy of it all. And Man, uh, was it ever and just how everyone everyone around her is so good too. Mm-hmm. Like the roles that they're playing and um, you're saying like nobody's very, a very good person, but I think everyone around there, they have their issues, but they're in the situation and they're trying. I, I was kind of thinking of it as like they made this perpetual motion machine kind of thing <laughs> yeah. that makes gold bars. And she's this machine and they're just trying to keep it going and they're trying to keep this thing yeah. going in there, but it could either blow up and kill all of them or it's going to move to the next stage and give them more gold bars. And they say that the um the manager, uh, played by Eric Stoltz, mm-hmm. says that almost directly. He he almost I mean he spells out like you either make an album or we're done. Yeah, yeah. My company is done, my right. career is done, your career is done. That's constantly pulsing uh in the background. Right. Uh, and and propelling her towards I mean she goes nuts. Yeah, especially in the second act in, when when they're introducing the younger band led yeah. by uh, Claire mm-hmm. Devine or or however you say her right. name. Uh, the when, looks on their faces. Oh, that whole scene where she is in full Courtney Love kind of meltdown, yeah, right? And they're simultaneously infatuated with her yeah. and in awe of, of this hero. 
while being absolutely terrified and confused yeah. as to what's happening. And what have we got ourselves into? Wow. And it's so fast paced too. Yep. And it's just so, um, just in all in the studio contained and it, it, it just, you can feel the pressure like yeah. and every, what they're, everyone is feeling. Yeah. And, uh, I was just totally into it. <laughs> I, I I thought at first Dan Stevens was wasted. I, that was a, a strange character. By the end, he he I got it, and and he was fantastic. No, he in was it. great. Uh, the woman that plays, or the actress that plays her kind of closer friend mm-hmm. of the the two in her band, is named Agnes uh, Den or Dean. She was yeah excellent. Right. Um, I love that. Um, when she's in, is it the third or fourth act? Yep. It's the fourth act where there, she's in kind of recovery and seclusion at her house. And then she comes to see her and catches her playing piano to her daughter. Oh, that, that scene. so good. Where she sings the little girl. Yeah. And then sings her song that she has been working on. Oh, so yeah. good. I, I loved it. Did you see the um, my comparison to the Jobs oh, film? Yeah. Oh, and yeah. How it's structured? I definitely understood the job comparison. I understood the mother comparison. Yeah. Uh, definitely during that first chunk, uh, that was, it was dizzying. Oh yeah. Uh, it was, it was a little, it like not a literal headache, but it, it gave me that kind of cinematic headache where I, I was tiring of watching from the beginning when she just keeps picking up her infant daughter yeah. and carrying her around. That was so uh, distressing to me. I And I think it definitely helped with the uh, act structures that yes. they had where it broke it up and then you can move on to another yeah. chapter. And that was another thing that was similar to Vox Lux, but Vox Lux has to title its chapters and yeah. it has, to, it does the pretentious route. Nothing about this felt pretentious. This no. felt like a very, uh, we're just fil- almost, almost docudrama. We're just yeah. filming what's happening in front of us. I liked how they did break up those sections though with the, um, uh, footage from the home when, video they, footage when they or, were yes. just starting out and they yeah. were just so excited about being this signed artist yeah. or this yeah. signed band and then the comparison to where it's ended up yeah yeah the only thing i did <laughs> not enjoy was amber heard who plays zelda uh-huh. uh that other artist uh she was the only one in the entire movie where i was just like actress oh uh everyone else i either forgot that i'm watching actors or I was just so enthralled with her performances. I was just like, wow. Oh, I didn't know who she was. So I didn't. it's Johnny Depp's ex. Oh, okay. She I was, uh, she, well, you didn't see Aquaman. Otherwise, mm-hmm. all you'd have seen the whole time Zelda's walking around is, uh, what's her face that okay. Aquaman falls for? I didn't have that to I just, think about. You know. And she's in it so little, it doesn't really matter. It, it doesn't matter at all. Just for me, she was the one that felt, and I guess it worked for that part because yeah, I she's think this it, famous singer. Yeah. But, that's an excuse. That they're I didn't kind like of je- I I didn't have a problem with that. I, she kind of filled that role well. Yeah. Of they're jealous of her for being yeah. successful, and they had some kind of relationship early on, yeah. but went in different directions. Well, anybody that listens to our Watchmen podcast knows that I get hung up on things <laughs> that shouldn't matter, <laughs> but there it is. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. elephant trapdoor fart Amber Heard. <laughs> We're gonna make a list. <laughs> Put these things all in Just one film running and Ken list. will not watch nope. it. Nope, I will not. Or it will somehow loop past that lack of enjoyment. And it'll just be like, this is amazing. I see exactly <laughs> what they're doing. They're taking everything that makes a person uncomfortable and that should make me hate this film. And I see what you did there. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, uh, her smell, uh, 
it, it will probably be in my top. Oh, it's I'm, in my top. I'm not sure. And the only reason I, th- I think your top uh, ten once once we get to that later before the year's done, I suspect your your top ten tend to be movies. Correct me if I'm wrong. That You're wrong. really have a statement as a film. Yeah. My top ten always have a rewatch kind of um, factor in there. Will I will I watch this a lot? That's, and I don't know that I come back to this one a lot. That's a separate list that I have. But I highly appreciate it. That's a separate list. Okay. I like the one. I don't know. I always feel like picking the ones that kind of are, yeah, do have a statement to be made or, or contributing something to the world of cinema and art mm-hmm. and or feel important in some way. Okay. At least to me. All right. Um, I haven't I haven't locked in my ten yet, so yeah. maybe it does. I don't I don't know. It's it's an excellent film. Yeah, excellent. I know quite a few people that would absolutely hate. Oh, it I don't know if I'd recommend it to many people at no. all. But no. did you see my kind of punch drunk love kind oh, yeah. of comparison to with the music, where it's just kind of eternal? Weird... Oh, the the music and it's and really let's. Good. I was going to move on, but let's talk about that music for a bit. Okay, because. Uh, I mean, later the music it it sort of comes back towards the end a little bit, just when it needs some tension. Yeah. But for the for the first at least half of that movie before she sobers up, that music it there is no melody, there is no, no, no. it it is is atonal, atmospheric, Clangs and yeah, and it builds and it grows and it it's almost like the soundtrack of her psyche, if yeah. you will. But it, it was just, it was unnerving. Yeah, and it adds this other, like this surreal layer to it, especially with her spiritualism. And yeah. you're like, and you're so early in the film, you're not quite grounded into what's happening. So you're like, is this going to be a really surreal and weird yeah. spiritual trip that she's on? Because yeah. like there's um, shaman uh, around and straight her. straight voodoo at the beginning. Voodoo shaman. Like, what is this woman into? Yeah. And she's like getting everyone around for seances and everything. Yeah. She's like, so it's like, where is this going? And there's the music adding to that in um, such a great way. And they don't ever really deal with where that came from. Her mother just says, you know, where did all this come from? And yeah. that's enough. It's just a my one of my favorite parts. Celebrity mystery. Part of that is when the one the guy one shaman who's like painted and everything mm-hmm. comes in and. Um, one of the other people in the band re- like comments on him mm-hmm. and he's like, oh, I thought that guy was uh, so-and-so. He was just like this normal guy a couple yeah. weeks earlier <laughs> yeah. and they just knew him as like around in the scene. Yeah. But now he's like this weird shaman uh, voodoo. Uh. Oh, he picked up on the fact that she was into all the spiritualism. Yeah, so he yeah. just painted his chest and right, put on just, a skull necklace and all of a sudden yeah, she's like, I need you. Right, right. To kind of, kind of taking advantage to be around her or... I don't know, but it, I, the music was great. What makes me very sad about a film like this is uh, she won't be up for any Oscars. No, and this is this is a uh, an Oscar performance if there ever was for one. sure. Yeah, uh, this is this is exactly what a lead actress should be nominated and recognized for, and it just this movie will not be seen enough. I don't think, uh, or it's not going to garner the kind of attention. That, that would get it any sort of recognition on that level. Yeah, and it's just too far left of anything that's usually considered mm-hmm. like Oscar worthy yeah. that it's just going to be seen as like this art house. Yeah. It's interesting oddity. not to not to make it a conversation about sexism, but if let's you, do it. Well, let's do it. <laughs> All right. Uh, when you look at Oscars uh, historically, uh, male 
actors get nominated for performances where it's ugly and not easy to look at. Yeah. Female performances do as well, but only on an emotional end of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. Uh, The only um, kind of contrast to that I could think of uh, or argument against that is Charlize Theron was was nominated Uh, for and won for Monster, Uh uh, which was a very physical kind of performance. Uh, But... This is this is the kind of part that males get nominated for, yeah, and win Oscars for, and get all this attention for. But there have been other times where where females have tackled these kind of roles, self destructive roles, and mm. they do not get uh, that kind of attention. I don't know if there's something there. I just I I was thinking about that when I was watching it the second time through. That uh, if it was a male rock star, that's the kind of thing where uh, it gets attention. I, yeah. I don't know. I don't have like some clear argument around that. It's just something I noticed. Mm-hmm. Got it. <laughs> Nailed it. Nailed it. <laughs> All right. So uh, Fast Collar was just fine. Her smell definitely one to at least try. Uh, yeah. If, if you uh, can handle some, some dark and disturbing material uh, that has something to say about the human condition. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Third movie, fresh on Blu-ray, hit theaters a little while ago, It Chapter 2. It Chapter 2 obviously just follows It Chapter 1. 20, however many years later, Pennywise the Clown comes back to terrorize Derry. Uh, The kids that uh, once defeated him are all grown up and get, you know, drawn back to their hometown uh, like they promised and uh, they're going to battle this thing. They're going to bring it down um, because, you know, what good is name calling do. for if you can't <laughs> defeat interdimensional demon beings? Mm-hmm. So uh, what you think of it? Chapter two. I had a weird viewing experience with this film because okay. I can't really point out where it lost me. <laughs> but at some point during it, the whatever two, it's almost three hour running time. Mm-hmm. It, three hours. It. I just kind of shut off and was just like, okay, we're doing this now. Um, I was really into Bill Hader's performance. He I was thought, really good. Thought he was really good. Very good. Really very good. Really very. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't have a lot to say about it. I think it was, it it just felt, it didn't feel as put together well put together as the first one Mm -hmm. it felt kind of all over the place yeah and uh, like i've said to you it it felt like it was made by completely different filmmakers Mm -hmm. it didn't feel as confident or as focused or as um important as the first one the first one really felt like uh childhood experience and, and children facing their fears and but now there's this extraordinary fear and and how does that work within the the confines of childhood friendships and and childhood perspectives and it was just it it really had a lot to do and say and and be and it didn't get as weird at the end as i wanted it to no but as as just kind of a straight horror flick it it worked there were genuine scares this one i barely felt tension or suspense much less scares i think the scariest scene was when um was it what's her name Bev. Bev. I want to say Becky, but Bev um, is in the old woman's house or mm-hmm. where it was her, pre- her apartment growing up. Yeah. And that scene was shown in full in a trailer. Yeah. So, and I, 
in the trailer, I was like, oh man, I'm really excited for this now. Cause that was one of the most tense scenes and mm-hmm. it still was, but it doesn't go really beyond that. Well, in, in this, it, it didn't go surreal again. No. Uh, and so when you have these children and they're being chased by monsters and the clowns turning into monsters, it's scary because that's what kids are scared of. Right. A monster's not as scary when it's an adult. And in the book, there's there's really that kind of advancement of fear that he's not just playing with how he's appearing, but he's playing with what adults are actually afraid of. And right. what they're afraid of is loss and detachment and all of these things. And and it really becomes this psychological game where by the time they're having to dive in and defeat this thing in an interdimensional level, man, it, it goes cuckoo bananas. In the book. In the book. Yeah. In not, the movie. No. It, it it literally just ends with let's insult a clown to death. Yeah, it's just a giant clown. That they make fun of. That they make fun of. And rather within the book where it goes into this world of like something where you can't understand it. Yeah. And you can't wrap your head around it. And you're this other almost pretty much dimension. And you're trying to like think your way out of the situation and this it's yeah insulting it to i would love to be in the alternate reality where carrie fukunaga was not removed from this movie oh. he was the one originally attached to the second uh, one or all of it all of it oh i didn't know that and warner didn't like his treatment it was too out there uh and that's code for doing what the book right to me right doing what the book did uh and i would love to, even just in chapter two i would love to see his for sure head trip version of this fight against Pennywise yeah. because they essentially retain the part where they have to defeat the clown physically. Mm-hmm. But in the book at the same time, they're on this other plane fighting this thing at its very core in essence. And so there's this, this multi-level battle uh, to the death against this thing. And it just had so much more to do. I thought the flashbacks were distracting. Yeah. I was going to say um, something about that, especially Going back to our Irishman mm-hmm. conversation from last week, where we were talking about the de aging, and then oh yeah, and this had it too. And I didn't know they were had to do that until watching it. And I'm like, there's something off about these kids' faces. And I think we had talked about it after we had watched it, or I'd read something, and they were talking about, or we were talking about how in those flashback scenes, it's like why, if they were so important, why weren't we showing them just at the time? And so it's just. It's, and if you know you're going to be filming two years apart, yeah, and you know you're going to be using these kids, you should know how puberty works. Right. Have both your scripts done and shoot the scenes you need with the kids while you've got them. Yeah, if, even if, if you're you don't that even, worried about them. Right. Even if up. you don't aren't totally sure if you're going to get to make the second yeah. one, like if that your plan is to just yeah, right, do it yeah. at the time. Well, and we both love Doctor Sleep. Doctor Sleep was. Uh, really impressive to both of us. And that compared to It Chapter 2, uh, it's it's a very different viewing experience because for me, Dr. Sleep just built and built and got heavier and heavier and more intense. And it, it just really dragged me in scene right. after scene more and more. It Chapter 2, the exact opposite, just like you were saying, I also don't know where I checked out. I remember at the beginning for a chunk of it thinking like, okay, come on, it's, it's going to pick up here. Oh, it's, they're just, you know, it's, it's kind of getting all the characters together and new actors, but it's really going to pick up. Once it got past the the scene in the Chinese restaurant, I'm like, no, it's not. Uh huh. It doesn't know what it's doing. Whereas Dr. Sleep, when I watched it for the first time, 
up front, I had that feeling of, do you know what you're doing? Or do you know what you're doing with Danny? Uh, you know, are all these things coming together? And I could recognize they were well done, but it hadn't grabbed me. And then I just felt it grabbing me more and more and more as it went. Yeah, that, I mean, Dr. Sleep grabbed me almost immediately. I mean, it was a couple of scenes in, but way quicker than like this. This, I mean, this never did. But even having the first film, I feel like it should. I it shouldn't have had to try to. No, and it, it should have been able to pull us right, right in from and the get go. Never did. Yeah, yeah. Already invested in these characters, and 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 even then, there was something about the casting. Bill Hader was good and dead on. Yeah. Uh, but from there, uh, even some of your bigger names, James McAvoy, um, McAvoy, McAvoy. <laughs> McAvoy. McAvoy, sure. It sounded like you said McAvoy. I probably did. <laughs> I wasn't. I was just. I was trying. McAvoy. Yeah, I was trying to remember the name of the actress who yeah. plays adult Bev. Yeah. And in my thinking, I, I just McAvoy. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, uh, but even that, it just, it it didn't feel like the casting was as, as dead on. Yeah. Bill Hader was good. The kid that plays um, Eddie grown up was really good. Or the guy that plays Eddie grown up. Um, but otherwise, Mike Hanlon was the worst. Mm. Um, didn't enjoy that. Didn't enjoy Adult Ben at all. No, Adult Ben needed that was to the be worst. Adult Ben needed to be Brad Pitt or somebody who was just like a um, a, a much more well-rounded and known. Quantity. I didn't know who he was at all. No, yeah. I, I thought he was very weak, mm. um, especially for you're really emphasizing the fact that this was the fat kid and now he's grown up and he's, he's got this confidence. That'd be be so funny if it was Brad Pitt. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. It'd have been great. Um, but you know, whatever. Yeah. It was, I don't know. It was harmless, but that's, I think the worst thing it could be. I know. And I think that's why I had such a hard time picking where it lost me because Mm -hmm. I'm just like, I know I was checking in with myself. Like, do I still, am I still enjoying this? And I would never tick the box yes or no. It's just like I'm kind of just going along with what's happening and it's not making an impression on me. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, enjoyed it chapter one. Didn't enjoy it chapter two. And yeah. I was, I remember feeling very just coming out of the theater. I felt very down about it because I really wanted to, I just, I wanted it to blow me away. I wanted yeah. To, I wanted to love it. Just no great love of it. I was hoping it would be as much fun as the first one and just never got there. Yeah. And really, really, really obvious and awkward Stephen King cameo. Uh, Almost (laughs) to the point that I cringed and felt bad for him. Like, Stevie, no. No. Stevie. No. Our boy Stevie, no. (laughs) Final flick uh, that we reviewed is Crawl. Crawl is at its simplest. Uh, two people stuck in a basement during a hurricane, waters are rising, alligators come into the basement, got to survive those alligators. Uh, Clint, what'd you think of Crawl? This movie was way better than it deserved to be. Seriously. I 100% really love you. this film, actually. <laughs> awesome. And uh, it could be on my list for the year almost. Really? Okay. Like, even if it, maybe if like... If not on my list or like under, like just like a couple Just off. slightly, like honorable yeah. mention kind of thing. Yeah, I was so into this film. Yeah. Um, even 
like the kind of the low budget quality of the CG and mm-hmm. stuff, it had this weird surreal feel to it where it was almost like um, 80 stop motion. Yeah. Where yeah. it's just, it's not quite right. They're almost there, but in, um, I just, I really like the look of it. Even you could kind of feel that it's on this sound stage and yeah. they're creating the weather, but it's real enough that it's in fake enough at the same time where mm-hmm. it's just fun. Yeah. And I was totally bought into the story. Like I like, you were talking about the character development mm-hmm. in, in when you were talking about it last week. And I totally agreed with you. They did such a good natural job of um, bringing these two characters together in like it's father and a daughter who are trapped in this situation together and their relationship is slowly revealing itself throughout the tension of being trapped by these alligators and the problems that they're having in in such an organic way even even the low-level cop that she runs into early on i completely bought that yeah and it's it's still a throwaway character he's just there to die right uh but I, I complete, oh, this is a guy that, you know, is kind of in love with her sister. Uh-huh. And um, it, I just, I got him immediately. Yeah. And, and to even take care with a character like that um, was a really good sign for me early on. Yeah. Uh, and then that really continues. I, I loved what they did with the relationship between father and daughter there. I know. Um, I've loved the, the, the house. The best haunted house movies are the ones where you understand how the house works. Right, the, the um, you layout of it. You understand the layout, yeah. you understand the space, you understand where it's safe, where right. it's dangerous. You get a sense of where escapes are, where escapes are cut off. Wow, this mapped that out really well. Yeah. And you understand, oh, they're behind the pipes, they're safe. They're out from the pipes, they are not safe. Yeah. Oh, there's a door up here, but there's furniture on top of the door. And, and all of these things were very natural. But it gave you the sense of legitimately these people are trapped. Yeah. I really liked the addition of the being set in the hurricane because mm-hmm. it added this time frame to the situation mm-hmm. where the water is rising. And soon we're going to be trapped under here underwater and we have to get out. So it just added this another level. And it, it has that perfect thing that a really good horror film has where the stakes are constantly getting yep. upped in a natural way and it's propelling the story and the characters to get out of it. And I thought they accomplished that so well. And uh, did you think the dog was gonna die? Oh man, I was like (laughs) on that edge where I'm like, if they kill this dog, I'm done with this film. I think a lot of people probably did too. But- uh, (laughs) That that dog was there specifically to make you feel that way, I guarantee. Yeah, Um, they did a a lot of fun things with him being involved in the situation. I'm so glad you enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, I had I, the exact same like you did with her smell. I, w- I was thinking like, oh man, is, is, is Clint going to enjoy this as much as <laughs> I did? Did I lead him astray? Um, I thought you were going to come back. And especially when you wound up and you were about to say whatever the first thoughts that came out of your mouth. Yeah. I thought this was, oh, this I is a fast and furious Hobbs and Shaw <laughs> moment. This is, is going to break my heart. No, I, I was just thinking like this is so much better than what – it should be. Yeah. Everything, even that little, like the easiest way to sum up the plot there, it's, you know, people trapped in a house during a hurricane, alligators attack. That sounds like the stuff of a terrible movie. Yeah. Uh, it's not a bad concept. It just, that's the kind of thing attached to a direct-to-video Sharknado kind of right. of, of movie. Uh, and this does border on over the top. 
when you get For shots sure. of you realize, oh, it's not one alligator, it's two. Oh, it's not two alligators, it's a dozen. Oh, it's not a dozen alligators. Like all the alligators in Florida are here yeah. to play. Well, when when you kind of then get a relationship to where the house is, yes, and it's set right on the banks of this um, inlet of water, mm-hmm. and so yeah, like that's naturally where a bunch yeah. of alligators are. But now they're offshore because um, I was watching, did you watch the extra features on yes. the Blu-ray? And there were some really good extra features. Yeah. And they were talking about how alligators like naturally in a situation like that move to higher ground. So that's what they're doing. Yeah. And um, and I really like the addition that like these alligators have basically took up camp in this house because they found like this nice wet, like dark, dark yeah. area where they can just hatch their eggs. And that whole scene was so tense. and. And having, and, and just the way the plot's structured, naturally having her father injured. Because if it's just her down there, the whole movie you would be fighting will just make a run for it. Yeah. You can make it up those stairs right. or you're, you can dodge you're that. You're like or, an almost Olympic level yeah, athlete. Yeah. yeah. You, can, you can get out of this. But now you've got the added layer of your dad's down here and he's injured and you're trying to take care of that. And oh, now there's, now there's not one alligator, there's two. Yeah. And it just, it really ratcheted things up well. Yeah. And I really liked the reasoning why he was there. It's like, he just got divorced from his wife and this house he's trying to sell. So he went back to try to close up some um, things before the uh, hurricane hits. And so that's why he was there. And he's kind of reminiscing about his life Um, Even how she finds him. Yeah. uh, She gets to the house. She searches for him. Now the dog's barking. Now she goes downstairs. She searches for him. Oh, no, he's injured. And even that all felt very... Well, yeah. And even going to the apartment first Mm -hmm. or the condo. And then that was such a nice way of kind of doing some character development of like Mm -hmm. where he's in his life and where she's in like with in relationship to the family and what's going on. Like, oh, they just recently got divorced and... He's trying to sell the house, so he goes back there. And I thought it was just very nice, natural storytelling and revealing things in a natural way. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I don't know. I really, I liked it so much. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah. I I really, I was excited about it. And then the minute you left my house with the Blu-ray, I was just like, oh, (laughs) what'd I do? Yeah. Well, (laughs) I I remember seeing the trailer and like, oh, that's a really interesting premise. But Surely they're not going to pull it off in an interesting way. I think in the hands of another director, this would have been cheese. Oh, oh I think for it would sure. Have been bad. Yeah. I don't. I don't think it would have been nearly as, and not just the director. I the screenwriter too. Oh, and the actors um, were great. Yeah. There, yeah. there was just there was a lot that fell into place. Yeah. Where all the pieces were there. I really liked. Uh, in the extras with uh, Sam Raimi talking about it and how he's talking about how he wanted to do some more kind of his typical kind of cheese yeah um and and oh uh, alexandre uh, yeah he was uh like no and he wanted to keep it grounded and yeah. <laughs> you can see on sam raimi's face he's kind of disappointed but yeah, like the he's sad like, kid like oh yeah he's like oh you didn't like my ideas but at the same time he's super elated to what actually was accomplished yeah, yeah. yeah. all right so <laughs> If I'm reading you correctly, order of greatness here, her smell at the top, yeah, then crawl, then drop away is fast color, and then drop I probably away. Li- I think I like it more than fast color. You like really? Yeah. I mean it's horror. Okay. Yeah. All right. So for you it's above fast color. For me, it's way down at the bottom. Oh, okay. But I'm it didn't offend me as that's, much. That's that's as... a book I read like once every year, once every two years. It's oh, one really? of my favorite Stephen King books. I I yeah, it's so. long, but 
it is long. Uh, and there's it's other things too. Yeah, like child pornography. <laughs> oh, oh, you know what I'm talking about. All right. Yes, in the book. Okay. <laughs> I thought you were just randomly. No, no. I'm like, how does that enter into any of There's this? There's some clinic? questionable scenes in that. All book. right. Well, you just put us like Sorry. red flagged on several FBI lists. No. Way to go, Clint. Uh, if you ever watched the subject it, of the latest FBI if you've investigation. Ever read it, yes. It's okay. Well, some... now I, I follow. Now it it does have some questionable. <laughs> anyway, we won't talk about that. We're not. We're not. Watch her smell and watch crawl. And uh, you will not have wasted your time. <laughs> Sorry for getting you on that watch list. <laughs> That's okay. You're on that watch list. No, I'm not. My voice didn't say it. I didn't your say it. Your voice said it. Clint Jones of 1967. No, Stephen King needs to be on that list. Longstreet. I don't know what your address is. But. Good. Don't say it on here. <laughs> All right, this has been Cinebabble Episode 8. We had a good time watching some flicks. I hope you did too. Sorry, Ken. (laughs) Red flag.